Cool. Thanks, you guys. That was awesome. Cool. It's good to see you guys tonight. Um, yeah, we started this series last week called Chucka Yui, mate, <laughs> aka Repent. Um, and we're talking about repentance and we're kind of trying to make it a bit funny because it can be kind of heavy sometimes. <laughs> it can be a bit of a full-on word. Um, but this is like a, a word that's really important in the Bible, um, but we don't really tend to use it other times in life. Like if you actually miss the turn going down Anzac Avenue, someone's probably not going to tell you to repent. Like They're going to say, just take a U-turn, chuck a U. But, uh, but in the Bible, this word gets used a lot of, of repent. Um, and sometimes it can kind of feel like this really scary, like full-on word um, that we don't really want to go there. But last week we talked about this idea that actually repentance leads to joy. And actually there's these stories of actually people coming to this place of turning around or we talked last week, David, in this story where he goes down this bad path and he hides it and he keeps it a secret. And sometimes we can do that when we make mistakes. But he gets to a point where he just comes to God and is just open and honest and realizes actually God forgives and there's joy and there's, there's cleansing and there's, there's grace. And actually the, the repentance that he goes through leads to joy. We're going to kind of keep going and unpacking this word a bit tonight and thinking through what, what it means and the kind of how we respond and still using this idea of like driving, like this sort of metaphor of paths and roads and driving. So we can be kind of driving along life. And normally this word gets used when you like first become a Christian. Like you're going a direction away from God. You realize who he is and who Jesus is and you, you repent, you turn. Actually, life is completely transformed and God now becomes the focus. But even after that, we can still take wrong turns. Kind of like we said David did last week. Um, in different times in our lives, maybe we actually take a full-on turn away from God. Like, we sort of go down this one path, and then it keeps going, gets worse and worse and worse. Or maybe it's just little things. It's, it's just a daily, actually, we're kind of off track away from Him. Or, or maybe it's a habit, or it's like a thought pattern or an area of life where we're actually, the way we're living and the direction we're living actually doesn't align to what is, is good and right and what God desires for us. And... There's kind of some different ways we can respond when that happens. Say when we take a wrong turn or we realize an area in our life which is kind of off track. There's sort of different responses. One response might be to kind of just say, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about that. Like, I want to feel good and I want to feel bad. And to deal with some mistakes or problems or failures or weaknesses or sin, that's painful. That's kind of uncomfortable. That's not fun. And actually, one response can kind of just be avoidance or indifference. We just sort of say, well, no, nah, that, that is not a big deal. It's fine. I don't need to worry about that. Um, I'm just going to ignore that part of my life. Or I'm just going to ignore that sort of habit or that thing that I did to that person. Or maybe even just sort of say, it's not my fault. It's their fault. If people were nicer, I wouldn't have to be mean to them or something like, like whatever. You just sort of blame others and externalize and just say, we well, don't want to go there. That's kind of one response. Another response, though, could kind of be almost like the other extreme, which is to just feel terrible. And, and maybe even there's things in our lives that we, we know we struggle with and it just makes us feel terrible. Or we stuff up and the default thing is just, I'm bad. And just guilt and shame. And actually maybe even talking about repentance and talking about sin and talking about mistakes, even sometimes might even default, the response just creates guilt and shame straight away. Maybe haven't done anything wrong. There's just like guilt. And sometimes we can even feel guilt when we haven't 
done anything actually wrong. We just sort of worry that we've done something wrong or, or someone else thinks we've done something wrong. And our conscience can be hyperactive and sort of um, even condemn us for things we haven't done wrong. But this, this thing with guilt and shame might be a response. We turn down a wrong path and an emotional response is, is guilt and shame, which is guilt is I've done something wrong. This is, this is bad. I've taken a wrong turn. I've, I've hurt this person. I've, I've done this thing against God. And shame takes it another level, which says not just that I've done something bad, but that now I'm bad. And it might even go worse than that. It might be, I'm terrible, I'm such a bad person. Sometimes even our Christian language can be like this in a, in a bad way. Like we just say, we're just so sinful, we're just so terrible. Like, and that, that's not good. <laughs> like it actually, it turns into like self-rejection, basically. But the interesting thing with both of these responses is that both of them don't necessarily mean we actually change the direction. We can be sort of going off track, down a path. Obviously, avoidance and indifference just means we keep going down that way. But interestingly, actually, a guilt and shame response doesn't necessarily mean that there's actually any change. We could be going down a path or doing an action or hurting someone and actually feel bad, maybe even feel sorry, but nothing changes. We, we still keep doing it. We, 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 we say sorry, but then it happens again. There's no, there's no directional change. And actually, both of these responses may not and actually aren't necessarily what we talk about when we talk about repentance. So what I want to do is tell you a bit of a story and look at a few verses from a letter um, called 2 Corinthians that, that Paul, um, the apostle, wrote to this church. And this was a church and they had a whole lot of different problems. They had a really interesting relationship with Paul. Paul started this church. Um, God was doing awesome stuff, but there was also crazy, full-on things. People... Um, hurting each other, people not following God, like major problems, and Paul had to like correct them. And it seems like they got to a point really when they kind of started to not really even like Paul. <laughs> they kind of thought that they kind of started to be ashamed of him. Like he was in prison sometimes. He wasn't like an amazing speaker. He didn't have any money. He was poor. And they're kind of like, we're not really interested in this guy. There's all these other speakers and preachers who are richer and they're nice, they're nice at talking and they seem to tell us things we want to hear, so we're going to listen to them. And they start to not trust Paul, even though Paul loves them and cares for them. And they start to go down this bad path that's leading them away from their relationship to Paul. And Paul is speaking for Jesus and leading them away from their relationship to Jesus. So Paul does something which he does in love, which is confronts them. He speaks to them quite strongly and, and we don't know exactly what he said. We don't actually have the letter which he did this in. But he, he says something to them that's quite strong, that points out to them they're going down this wrong path and calls them to change. And it was actually painful and uncomfortable. It, didn't, it wasn't fun at all. And we see this in these few verses in 2 Corinthians. It's, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter. So he's talking about another letter that he wrote to them. And in this letter, we don't actually have it. But this letter obviously made them sad. So he, it, it, it's like someone coming to you and they're coming to point out your problem. <laughs> and it, we don't normally like that. It makes us, it's fearful and it makes us sad. And Paul says, I do not regret it. I don't regret writing you this really hard letter. He says, though I did regret it. He wrote them this strong letter and then he felt bad about it because it was so hard. He says, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. So Paul says, this letter that I had to speak, this really strong thing, I didn't like it, it hurt me to write this, but actually I'm glad I did, not because it made you feel bad, 
because it led to repentance. And this word repentance means change, change of mind, a change of a direction, chucking a yui, turning around. It says, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. And then he keeps going, and he gives this really interesting distinction about different ways of feeling sorry. He says this, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret. So he says there's a type of sorrow which is sorrow according to God. It's godly sorrow. We turn down a wrong path. There's this thing called godly sorrow. And godly sorrow leads to repentance, which is turning. It's a change of direction. And that change of direction leads to salvation. Because they're going down this path that goes away from God. Then they're actually now back on track with God. And he says that leaves no regret. So even though that's painful, even though that's hard, it's actually good. Because the alternative is what he calls worldly sorrow. And this is another type of feeling sorry, but it doesn't involve repentance. It doesn't involve any change. So there's a sadness, but it keeps going in this direction. And he says this direction leads to death. People are on a path away from God. And they can feel bad, but keep going away from God. So this interesting, this kind of distinction, and we see this is what happened in the Corinthians. He keeps going, he says, see what this godly sorrow produced in you. And he talks through and says, actually, there's all this evidence that they had godly sorrow because they turned, and now they're really passionate about having a right relationship with Paul and with God. They're back on track. So there's this, there's this change that happened. And what we're kind of highlighting tonight, last week we said repentance leads to joy. This week, the point is that repentance involves a change of direction. This word is not, because this word often gets used as like a feeling word, but it's not primarily a feeling word. It, it might involve feeling, it might involve feeling sad and, and sorry, but the, the definition actually means to change your mind. It's, it's a change of mind, a change of direction, a change of purpose. It doesn't mean we get all our life together and we fix everything, that, that's not what it means, but it, there's a change. We're going down this path, we repent, we turn and come back. I want to tell you two stories um, in the Bible that illustrate this in different, different people. The first one is in, with Peter. So Peter, you might know the story, is, is Jesus' disciple who's like really passionate, loves Jesus so much. Jesus, on the night that Jesus is going to the cross, he says that Peter is going to deny him three times. And Peter says, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, I, I love you. I'm going to die for you. I'm all out for you, Jesus. And then the story goes on, and then as, as Jesus gets arrested, he goes to trial, Peter slowly starts to deny him. And people ask about what, whether Peter knew Jesus, and Peter says, no, nah, I don't know that guy. Like, and he does it two times, he does it three times, even cursing and, and swearing that he doesn't know Jesus. And then eventually, it said, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And the rooster crows. And Peter remembers, and he kind of wakes up to himself. He's turned down this path of denying Jesus, the one he loves, and he realizes it, and he feels incredibly sorry. It says that he wept bitterly. Just imagine, like a grown man weeping because he recognizes that he's betrayed his closest friend, Jesus. But the interesting thing is the story of Peter is that we find out later on after Jesus goes to the cross and Jesus rises from the dead, he comes back to Peter. And Peter actually is sorry for that, 
And he wants to restore his relationship with Jesus. He still loves Jesus. He doesn't want to deny Jesus. He wants to be faithful to Jesus. And Jesus comes to him and forgives him and actually puts him back in his, his role in, in leading the church. And that Peter was sorry, but it led to repentance. It led to a change. He didn't go on denying Jesus. He, he kind of woke up to himself. He, he felt sad. And then he turned. There, there was a change. There's another story. It's actually in Matthew. It's straight after this story of, of Peter is the story of Judas. And this is another story about someone betraying Jesus. And Judas planned this. He, he made an agreement with the religious leaders and said, oh, if you give me this money, I'll hand Jesus over to you. And, and this, is, this is what it said then. When Ju Judas, who'd betrayed Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver. So Judas also felt bad for what he did. He, he betrayed Jesus, and then when he saw that Jesus was condemned, that he was going to be crucified, he, he felt bad about it. He felt guilt. He felt remorse. He said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. So this is a very different story, but the commonality is this, that he felt sad and sorry. Judas was sorry for what he did. But it was not because he loved Jesus. It was not because actually he realized that actually he does believe him and wants to follow him. It was because he felt bad. And because he realized he'd done something wrong and he wanted to get rid of the bad feelings. He, he wanted to make it better. He wanted to fix it. But he didn't want to repent. He didn't want to turn and actually come back to, to ask God for forgiveness. He didn't want to come back and actually follow Jesus. He just goes down this path, and in this story, literally leads to death. It's just guilt and shame and self-rejection that goes where that ends up. And, and this is a story of someone who felt sorry, but did, did not, there was no turning, there was no repentance. It's this worldly sorrow, which is this, this definition, again, that Paul gave, godly sorrow, like Peter experienced brings repentance, this change, this turn that leads to salvation. It, like the, the relationship with Jesus is restored and is even stronger now. Then Peter goes on in, in faithfulness to God. But worldly wisdom brings death, just this sad, sorry, guilt feelings, but no change, no change of heart, no godly sorrow actually doesn't mean anything. It's just feeling sad. It doesn't actually lead to change. This is what Henry Cloud says about this, like maybe in our own lives, when, when you sort of go down a wrong path and you kind of notice a feeling and how to tell maybe what it is. He says this, the next time you miss the mark, or turn down a wrong path, search your emotional response. If it centers on how bad you are, your emotions are the sorrow of the world. But if your response centers on loving your neighbor as yourself, it's likely to be the sorrow of God. You might know the difference. What, what, what is the feeling when we do something wrong? Is the feeling, I've, I've done something wrong, I'm in trouble, I'm bad, I'm nervous about what's going to happen, there's going to be some kind of punishment, I don't want people to find out about this. Is, is, is that the feeling? Because that, that's a worldly sorrow. It's, it's focused on self, it's focused on getting rid of guilt, of not having shame. Or is there a sorrow that says, I've actually really hurt that person when I said that. I've actually betrayed trust with God when I did that. 
I'm actually destroying my life by doing this thing. And, and there's a sorrow that actually is a result of the, the action and the consequence and not just breaking a rule, but actually what it does to people and to God. And that's a, that's a sorrow of God that actually leads to change. So there's these kind of two responses that we talked about. Maybe you sort of go down the wrong path and it's just like, nah, that's all good, like avoidance, indifference. Or maybe there's guilt and shame and I'm just so bad and I'm just so terrible that we keep going down the same path. But there's another response, which is this helpful, life-giving, though maybe painful and difficult response of godly sorrow, repentance, and faith. It's getting to a place of actually, I, I feel sad that I'm doing this. I feel sad and mourn the effect that it's having on my life and others. And therefore, I want to change. It's not that I just don't want to feel guilty anymore, but I actually don't want it. I want, I want life. I want love. I want to trust and follow God. So there's actually a change of direction, a change of heart. And then we come to this place of faith and come back to trust and depend on Him. So this is, this is kind of the idea that repentance involves a change of direction. It's not just saying sorry. It's not just feeling sorry. It's actually a change of mind and a change of direction. The, the emotions are secondary. And, and sometimes I, I used to hear teaching on, on repentance and, and it was always about just feeling so bad for your sin and just weeping over your sin and just knowing how terrible you sin. Like, unless you do that, like, you haven't repented. And like, that's just not the point. Like, like that, that will be different for different people. And the point is not to focus on feeling bad or feeling sad. Like, there, there might be an aspect of that. The, the point is the directional change. The point is actually, this is a not a good path. I need to turn and turn back to trust and follow him. The emotions involved are secondary to the actual directional change. You see this again. This is, this is another quote by Tom Wright who kind of describes this. He says this, When we see ourselves in the light of Jesus' type of kingdom, Jesus' kingdom of perfect love, realize the extent to which we've been living by a different code altogether. We realize perhaps for the first time how far we have fallen short of what we were made to be. This realization is what we call repentance, a serious turning away from patterns of life which deface and distort our genuine humanness. It isn't just a matter of feeling sorry for particular failings, though that will often be true as well. It is the recognition that the living God has made us humans to reflect his image into the world and that we haven't done so. It's this, this idea that actually we are made to reflect God. It's not that we're just terrible, bad people. We're actually created in the image of God. We're actually loved and cherished by Him. And, and we're called to love Him and love others and care for the world. And actually, we haven't done that. We've gone down another path that's, that does the opposite of that. And it's actually waking up to that and saying, I don't want to live that way. I want to come back and follow His way. I want to reflect His image and His goodness and His grace. And... And that's not indifference, not guilt and shame, but godly sorrow, repentance, and faith. Because in some ways, sometimes, and, and this, is, this can kind of be common, and I've struggled with this, in that sometimes, and I think it's pretty common around, around Christians, that we think that actually guilt and shame helps. That actually, if we just feel really bad, and if we just tell ourselves how bad we are, then we'll change. <laughs> That's kind of the idea, that like we should feel guilty, we should feel bad, we should feel terrible, and the more that we do that, the more that will help us to do the right thing. But that's, that's not true. Guilt, guilt and shame. And so there's a, there's a place for, 
for, like guilt is a natural feeling of, of like we've, we've done something wrong, like we've crossed into a path that's not good. So there's a, sense of, there's a sense of guilt being a good feeling, but in the excessive sense of just feeling terrible or even maybe feeling guilty for things that are not wrong or particularly shame and heaping shame, it actually pulls us into ourselves more. It actually makes us more self-focused. It actually becomes not, not that I care about God and others, it's that I care about me and not feeling bad and getting rid of the guilt and getting rid of the shame and making sure that I don't get in trouble. Like That becomes the focus, which is actually the opposite of what we're called to be, which is God, others, the world looking out. So actually heaping guilt and shame actually does not help at all. It actually disconnects us further from others and disconnects us further from God, which leads to like a cycle that actually gets worse and worse. Similar to last week, the hiding, the shame, the guilt actually leaves us further away. Whereas actually turning, coming openly to God, actually receiving his grace, allows us to be in this position of actually genuine mourning for things in our lives that we don't, are not good. Turning repentance and faith. And like we're saying, this is not at all like have to get your act together before you come to God. This is not at all like uh, when I say repentance involves change, it doesn't mean we're fully better and fully good. It, it, it's like a continual, like change, turn around, oh, I went down that path again. Like change, turn around, like I went that down that path. It's like the direction is, is constantly coming back. It's like, actually, God, I, I'm starting to think this way again. I repent of that, I turn. I wanna, and, the, and the direction overall is what's important. Not, not perfectionism or, or just getting it perfect, but actually which path are we going down? So this, this is actually something that can be really helpful, even though painful. We might not like the idea of that. I, I don't want to feel godly sorrow. I just want to feel good. But sometimes there can be something good about feeling conviction, actually feeling a sorrow that actually the, 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 these actions are not um, loving people but hurting people. And actually, that can actually even feel painful but can feel right and lead to change. But ultimately... The thing that changes us is, is not like we said getting it together first, but actually recognizing what God's like. In a similar way, David was hiding stuff as we read last week. He comes and realizing that actually God is full of grace and forgiveness. In a similar way, we might make a mistake and the natural thing is to condemn ourselves and say we're just terrible, we're just bad, and just heap guilt and condemnation rather than actually turning and recognizing that God doesn't condemn us, that God actually loves us that actually he's for us. He's kind towards us. And actually recognizing that can be the thing that actually leads us to godly sorrow, repentance, and faith. This is how a guy Alexander McLaren says it. He says, but the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It's seeing God's goodness, his heart of love towards us. So that's the prodigal in the prodigal son story. He's conquered as he sees the true hideousness of the swine's trough. So he's eating like pig food. He, he realizes and wakes up to himself when he thinks of the father's love. He remembers his father's house. He remembers what his servants are eating. And this guy says, I, I beseech you, I plead with you to put yourself under the influence of that great love. Look on the cross till your hearts melt. It's actually looking at the cross and recognizing he loves us. He doesn't condemn us. He accepts us can actually put us in a position of actually genuine mourning over sin and turning and believing. It's not that we have to get it all right. It's that we receive 
his grace. This great verse in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We might condemn ourselves to try and control and fix ourselves. That's not the way to do it. That's not how God brings change in our life. He doesn't condemn us into performance. Because again, if, if, we, if, if that's the motivation, I'm going to do the right thing so I don't get condemned, that's not love. That's fear. He says, I love you. Respond to my love. And then we actually turn and say, actually, I love you, God. I want to walk in your ways. I'm not doing this because I'm afraid of being condemned. I'm doing this because I love you and follow you and I want life. He says, those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life that sets you free from the law of sin and death. That he forgives us, he sets us free. Therefore, we turn and follow and live in his way. And this is amazing. And as we respond to this tonight, um, there might be a few ways to respond. One might be that, that God's actually highlighting something and there's, there's something that, that's been there for a while, a path that we're going down. And maybe there's a sense of godly sorrow and, and, and mourning and, and, and repentance that needs to happen. And it kind of provides space to do that as we have communion. But maybe there's a sense that actually, yeah, there's an area that, that maybe sort of been going down or, or a path or a mistake or, or somewhere where we know we're guilty and the habit has been to heap guilt on ourselves, heap shame, even in an effort to, to, to try and fix it. And maybe tonight is an even opportunity to, to just let that go and actually to recognize that, that yeah, we've gone down wrong paths. We've hurt people. We've, we've done things. We've fallen short of God. And the gospel is that we deserve to be condemned but that God said, I will be condemned instead. Jesus takes all of that and puts it on himself. He says, yes, you've sinned, but I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He, he takes it on himself. He goes to the cross so that we are forgiven. We can be loved and accepted if we believe in him. And then from, from that place, we let go of guilt and shame, we turn and we recognize actually he loves us and we want to live and, and live in his love and love others in that way. So maybe tonight there's even a need to just let go or start to, and that can be a long process, but start to maybe let go of that guilt and shame, receive his love, recognize he doesn't condemn us and, and let that change and shift our hearts and our desires and renew us and change us. So we're going to respond with communion. Um, so you can come and take it, take a biscuit representing Jesus' body, um, which was broken. Um, take it and dip it in the juice that represents his blood that was shed, um, that, 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 that washes away, that there's forgiveness of sins. And in that, we, we turn back again. We receive his grace again. And tonight, as, as you do that, I was just thinking maybe sometimes just doing things a bit different can be a good way to engage and engage and open ourselves to God I just encourage you maybe tonight as you come and take the biscuit and the, the juice, you might take it there or you might take it somewhere. I encourage you just to go somewhere else maybe, not straight back to your seat. Maybe go stand at the back for a bit, maybe come to the front, maybe just walk. But some, some space that's different to just where you're sitting. Sometimes you can kind of just come, we just sort of, yep, take communion, sit back in the chair, that's done for the week. Like just tonight, maybe just go find a space and open to God and just engage with what he's doing where you are at. And again, that's invitation. I have to do that, but, but we could do that as something different tonight.
So maybe let's, let's stand together and then let's, um, we'll pray and then respond with communion. Jesus, we just thank you that you are a God who does not condemn us for our sin, but is condemned in our place. Um, that we are guilty before you, um, but you take our guilt on yourself and you've forgiven us, God. Um, we just pray, Father, for particularly, God, for tonight, for those who may be feeling a burden of guilt and shame. Um, we just pray, Jesus, that you would lift that um, by your spirit and by your love. God, we just pray for lies to be gone um, that say people are not worthy of love or grace or mercy. Jesus, would you remove those? And God, would you give us the gift of, of godly sorrow? of genuine sorrow for the, for the failings and mistakes in our lives that would actually lead us to change, to repentance, to trust in you. Uh, so Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us? Um, would you meet us tonight? Um, we just pray for freedom and life in your name. So we just give this time to you. Amen.